Today is March 10th, 2020. Welcome to Native Calgarian. Native Calgarian is being recorded on the lands of the Blackfoot Confederacy. The Blackfoot south of the imposed U.S.-Canadian border are the Blackfeet. North of the border are the Siksika, Gunai, and Bagani of the Confederacy. These lands are on, now on Treaty 7, signed September 22nd, 1877, with signatories that include the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Stony Nakoda, which are the Wesley, Chiniki, and Bearspot Nations, and the Sutina Nation. I acknowledge all First Nations, Métis, Inuit, status and non-status across Turtle Island as the keepers of these lands. Oki, Mekochi, Jestokom Aki, or Red Thunder Woman in Blackfoot. My spirit name is... Uh, oh, was given to me in ceremony, and my humblest apologies to Blackfoot elders and language keepers as I try to learn the proper pronunciation. I, I honor the Blackfoot. My, uh, I'm Michelle Robinson, and I was born in Calgary as Michelle Elliott. These are very English names which have afforded me privilege in an English colonial world. My mother is Northern Slavey Dene, or Satu Dene, but my Indian Act and Post status card by the Canadian government says Yellow Knives Dene. My father is so Canadian that I am a daughter of the Mayflower and a daughter of the American Revolution, yet I have an Indian Act and Post status card. I acknowledge my Dene lineage and that I was born in Calgary, but my family is not part of the Treaty 7 signatories. My Dene lineage roots me up into the land of the Hare people, called the Great Bear Lake people in Treaty 11. I'm a native to Turtle Island, and my Dene Nation is a visitor to this area of Clincho Tine Indahe in Satu Dene, meaning Many Horse Town, named after the Calgary Stampede. Land acknowledgements are critical for creating a safer space for Indigenous, as well as honoring the host as the guest. Um, any mistakes and misinterpretations will be on me. I encourage questions so that misunderstandings can be cleared up as soon as possible. I do not speak on behalf of all Indigenous but I share what I know as I walk down my red road. If you're experiencing emotional distress after anything we talked about today and want to talk, call the First Nations and Inuit Hope for Wellness helpline at 1-855-242-3310. It is toll-free, open 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, and for non-Indigenous, there are distress center lines in your area too. Also, if you are more of a texter, there are websites that you can actually, including the um, hopeforwellness.ca website, that you can text or type with. Uh, my Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. Thank you to my previous donors for already showing your support to the show. If you value listening and can afford to give, thank you. To those who cannot afford to give but listen in, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com. Send in your comments or questions. We are also on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. I want to give a shout out to my super loyal donors, Adam, Alexandria, Beatrice, Brian, Celine, Diana, Jocelyn, Judy, Kenna, Leah, Marisa, Natalie, Nathan, Phyllis, Rebecca, The Sprawl, Tiffany, Vanessa, and Veronica. Well, it's been a while. Uh, we did release uh, an, one of our episodes, but we weren't feeling comfortable with it. I wasn't feeling comfortable with it, and my guest wasn't feeling comfortable with it. I think we're still kind of working on our trauma. And uh, as we're ready to go past that was is when we'll talk about that further. So speaking of which... Um, for those who do not know, there is an organization called the White Bison Society that I endorse. And this society has put together um, courses through 
the lens of the medicine wheel and acknowledging intergenerational trauma and acknowledging that the system itself creates trauma. And as a result, how do we heal from it? But also, um, you know, learning about culture, learning about the seven secret teachings and uh, trying to heal through trauma in, in those ways. So one of the courses I'm, I'm uh, proud to be a facilitator for is Mending Broken Hearts. And we've been running that course Mondays at the Friendship Center from 10 till 12. And we're going to be wrapping up at the end of the month. So that's been talking about trauma and, you know, understanding intergenerational trauma and then relating to that to lifetime trauma. And we just worked on our trauma timelines and we're going to be focusing on our, you know, our behaviors as a result of that trauma. And I bring it up because even if you're not in Calgary, I mean, I'd love for you to come if you're in Calgary, uh, but if you're not in Calgary... There are Mending Broken Heart courses all across Canada and the U.S. And I, if you're Indigenous, I encourage you going to them. Um, and there, there's a, a other component of that. Uh, I've also been doing the Wellbriety, which is through the White Bison Society. I'm not a facilitator for that. I help the team, though. And we've been doing that Mondays and Tuesdays. So that has more of a medicine wheel lens. So if you're a person who... Uh, wants to do AA meetings, but find that there's not an understanding of Indigenous issues, or maybe you're in AA and you want to know more about the culture, you know, Wellbriety might be a really great option for you. And again, this isn't just a Calgary thing, it's all across the country and into the States. And um, I just want to put that out there as support for people, because we've, we as Indigenous people have been going through really intense trauma with the Wet'suwet'en blockades that have gone up all across the country and, and internationally now. And uh, and I stand strong in solidarity with the Wet'suwet'en. Uh, basically what it's done is it's ripped a, you know, Band-Aid off all of the racism. And those who now feel empowered to be racist are. And a lot of folks are experiencing awful racism as a result. Um, my friend and I, experienced it with Calgary Transit Cops, which made news. And then I've had a friend who took Calgary Transit and somebody was chanting, kill her. Uh, I had another friend who was just in the mall and somebody was yelling, get a job at lunch break while he was working. Um, yeah, this is the type of thing that we're being exposed to and subjected to in Canada. Canada is not the nice place that Canadians seem to think it is if you are not white. <laughs> so um, so I'm, I'm bringing up Mending Broken Hearts, Wellbriety, you know, trying to encourage people to remember all of the support uh, networks that you have locally. Uh, one of the exercises we did in Mending Broken Hearts is also doing like a social, um, social services, uh, we, we call them mind mapping, but it, it's basically a long list of all of the services that are available for you as Indigenous people, wherever you are. And um, I know with all the Conservatives across the country, they just want to keep cutting those programs. And some really great programs are being cut. But remember, there are still some others. There are always elders. There are always sweats in your area. And if you're lost in how to find that, I'm, I'm trying to encourage you to really sit down and have a look at all of the Indigenous organizations in your area and working with them to see where where there are gaps. Right now, I'm missing 
the Native Sharing Circle here in Calgary. Uh, it's a wonderful um, you know, group of people that come from anyone servicing Indigenous people and talking about the initiatives that are happening uh, in, the, in their worlds in the hopes that you can, you know, um, cross-communicate with each other, team up on, on different projects, whatever that looks like, because all of our grants are based off of whether or not you work together with other people. So, for example, Mending Broken Hearts is, um, you know, with the Friendship Centre, and, and that's helped a lot with us getting in the door there. Well, Bridey is in conjunction with the Métis Nation local uh, 87 branch. So, you know, those partnerships really matter a lot. But they also, I find as an Indigenous woman, uh, going into those spaces, it's a safer space. And you get to be with your colleagues and you get to hear them. And um, if you are you know, not with a nonprofit or something, I still encourage you to go to those because you need to know who your community is. And there's likely resources there and the people there wanting to get out that message. And you may be that perfect point person to give that message out to others. So um, I guess what I'm saying is solidarity with each other as well as the Wet'suwet'en. Um, we, we, are, we are cousins always first, even when we disagree with each other. Um, and, that, and that's the hard part about this. There are a lot, there's so much trauma in our communities that sometimes even working together is, uh, seems impossible. Um, you know, people don't reach out to each other and maybe the ones that do are, are toxic and only come looking for a fight. And that's, these are hard, hard times for us, but we will get through it. And remember that our ancestors probably went through worse and here you still are. So please reach out to others, you know, get involved in your community in some capacity so that you don't feel alone and isolated because that's the last thing I want for anyone listening. And always remember that there is the Hope for Wellness helpline. Um, so some things I'm working on right now is uh, the Liberal Party of Canada is having their national convention. And I know a lot of you are probably wondering, how in the hell can you help those people? <laughs> well, one, I can't. But two, <laughs> what I can do, um, it, the irony is all these political parties are completely separate uh, from each other when it comes to, um, like, the liberals are in government. And the moment we got in government was the moment someone like Carolyn Bennett was, like, severing ties with people like me because she has to come across as nonpartisan. So that's immediately what happened when we won in 2015, and it hurt then, but that's what happened. And um, here we are now where basically every party, it doesn't matter which party, and I'm not um, favoring just the liberals. I'm, I'm telling you this in the hopes that anyone listening would feel empowered to join whatever political party you want to. It doesn't make you less Native, you can go out, join these parties, and infiltrate the system um, if you have capacity. I mean, not everyone does, and I respect that. And I have basically been trying to do this since, what, when my daughter was born, so 12 years. And as I do this, you know, that you just find ways that you can sneak in policies and you can find ways to stop bad policies and there this is really the core of all of these colonial parties are, are their policy conventions so it's important for us as indigenous people to be there to voice our concerns with uh, with poor policy or try to submit good policy 
Um, how do you do that? I did just do an outreach roundtable, and I was, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to sound brash, but what, whatever. At the end of the day, I feel like as Indigenous people, as we are born as political prisoners on this land, we are forced into politics. So we know the policies, and we, we actually are, are maybe even too knowledgeable on policies. Anyway, the folks who came to this literally knew nothing about policy, knew nothing about the policies that were already submitted, knew nothing about what the government policies were, and uh, we were supposed to develop policy around that. Um, it wasn't a waste of time in the sense that obviously these brand new faces needed to understand the process. So I'm sure they did learn a lot. Um, but for me, I, I found it, uh, you know, I, I respectfully understand when people come to policy with understanding gaps. So like, for example, previously, uh, my writing put together basically gap policies when it came to cannabis. And, um, and they passed. And some of it is provincial jurisdiction, some of it is federal jurisdiction. So, you know, the the point is, is that when you put together policy, one, know what you're talking about, and two, um, you have to be able to express why you're putting that up. You have to know what the policy is, what, what isn't, isn't working. Anyway, anyway, a reason why I'm telling everyone this is right now is where all the federal parties, no matter what, if you're an NDPer, awesome for you. I'm, you know, I'm not going to fight you on this. If you're Indigenous and you're an NDPer, then put forward good policy. If you're a Liberal, put forward good policy. If you're Conservative, put forward good policy. Um, now's that time. And if you are a person that's maybe a bit intimidated by that, um, ask questions. You know, send me a question about it because I'd love to hear, you know, what it is that you would like to see implemented. Um, I think we all agree sovereignty and Indigenous um, rights are the highest and according to UNDRIP and all of the policies that we put forward, they should be in, in line. And it's a sad day when we have to say, well, technically we didn't call in the army as that's somehow a, a good thing, but that's, that's where we are. Um, I think uh, John Horgan's, you know, latest guffaw of saying, no, no, we don't direct the RCMP and then having documents that, um, you know, are the polar opposite of that, where they did instruct more RCMP to go into the Wet'suwet'en, is, uh, you know, there's no process of accountability when politicians lie like that either. Um, so that's a, a potential policy right there. So those are things I'm thinking about right now, our policies for national convention. Uh, we just had... Uh, you know, some conversations about offshore tax havens. So these energy companies are not just raping the land and raping our people and, you know, basically um, killing everything in the destruction of it. But they're doing it internationally. And all of the money they make, they just put in tax havens uh, overseas. So, like, that's a good policy that I, I'm going to try to put together with, uh, you know, links to studies that show this is, you know, nonpartisan uh, studies to show those things but you may have different ideas like uh, national day daycare strategy things like that this is the time so if you're a white settler and you're thinking oh well she's only talking to indigenous no I'm not I'm talking to you too 
So like, for example, the Liberal Party, if you're a liberal and you're a woman, you're automatically part of the Women's Commission and you automatically can put forward policies like that. And the best ones that get through are the ones that are most well-researched. That's just the reality. So I highly recommend that people um, think about those things. And if you're not ready to do it right now, don't worry policy conventions coming in four years. And in fact, I, I encourage you to practice for the next four years on how to write policies and submit them because it's important. Um, and that can go provincially as well. So you just take off your federal lens and put on your provincial lens and start submitting good policy. So I, I'm getting excited because um, we have our, so the federal liberals, first you have to meet in every province and territory. So the Alberta uh, liberals, we're all going to be meeting together. Now that's separate from the Alberta Liberal Party. Um, you know, the federal liberals in Alberta are are getting together and our policies that come from that will go to the national convention. So I'm going to be up in Edmonton just <laughs> maybe not even 12 hours um, because I, I'm already booked to speak at a MMIW conversation for 20 minutes and talk about that issue um, at a church. So I'm excited about doing that. And I, I think that that obviously is a higher priority because I can submit my policies anyway. Um, so I'm going to go to that, but we also have the Indigenous Peoples Commission. If you're a liberal and you're Indigenous, you're automatically part of the Indigenous Peoples Commission. And, um, we're always looking for chairs. What does that mean? That uh, there's a position for you. So, Every riding across the country for the Liberal Party needs that position filled. And it can only be filled by Indigenous people. So whether you're, whatever, pro-oil or anti-oil, it doesn't matter. You're an Indigenous person and your um, feelings matter about all of these things. So if you don't identify as a Liberal, that's okay. Um, I think the NDP are trying to make their Indigenous structure work better. Um, the Greens... I don't know. I'm really pissed off at the Greens. So I'm just going to encourage you, if you think Greens are the fucking cat's ass, then go there and work on their anti-racism issues because they've been so racist to me, I can't even. But, if you know, we all have our limits, our, our limits of what we're willing to tolerate. Um, and if you want to go in the Conservative Party, give her. I just hope you don't perpetuate more harm with racism. Anyway, um going to encourage everybody to think about that we have our national convention is in ottawa uh november 12th to the 15th so um i've already paid my dues to go um and hopefully i'll be going and i'm hoping i can get my daughter as a volunteer and we can go to national convention go to ottawa together and if we go early then it'll be the first time i get to watch because i've always wanted to see a remembrance day ceremony um in ottawa so that would be super, super cool. And if my daughter could experience that, that would be great too. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm thinking about. Um, the Indigenous Peoples Commission has a fund for Indigenous candidates to run. And uh, that fund, we're doing a fundraiser for uh, breakfast Saturday morning. And you don't have to be part of the convention. You can just pay a ticket if you're in Edmonton and you want to come. And you're not going to believe who our guest speaker is. And I'm not going to announce it because I don't know. I, I don't know if it's confidential yet uh, or still. And, the, and when it gets released, obviously, I'll be sharing that information. So, But that is a speaker I'm going to make the breakfast for and then immediately after that head to Calgary for that uh, speech at one 
So uh, that's what I'm thinking about. I want everyone who's listening, you don't have to be a part of a political party to really be thinking about policy, even in a nonpartisan way. You can approach these committees and send letters to senators, send letters to different committees and be an active, engaged citizen in that sense. Um, you know, <laughs> it's a public record of your dis dissatisfaction. So instead of, you know, spending $2 on a sign and marching in front of City Hall, this is another way of activism that you can have your voice heard. And I, I highly recommend it. It's, it's good for everybody. So anyway, National Policy Convention. Uh, another thing I'm working on is I, I have a part-time position with a group called uh, Chaos here in Calgary. It's the Calgary Animated Object Society. And I was hired to talk about the Canada Learning Bond. The Canada Learning Bond is um, a, a, a bond that was set up for all kids that were born in 2004 and since to have some money for post-secondary education. And it's just money given by the government to put into those accounts that are, they consider low income. And um, I recommend everybody get an RESP. Everybody, everybody get your SIN number, get your RESP and get this um, fund started. Because even if you just put in like, you know, a thousand dollars and let it grow over the course of 18 years, that's better than nothing. And studies show that if a person has even a tiny bit of money, they are more likely to go into post-secondary education. So I, I highly recommend it for everybody. Um, if you are low income, you may qualify for the Canada Learning Bond. All the banks are aware of it because they are really op really keen to open these accounts. And there's no more predatory... Um, attacks on your RESP. So like if you don't put in your $50 a month, they're going to take all the money. They can't do that. So uh, don't don't fall for that type of behavior and go to one of the major institutions and, and get that bond. Um, and if you can contribute to an RESP, do. Uh, of course, grants are available for some and a lot of the Indigenous learning centers can, or um, I don't know, Native centers at the universities can help you with a lot of that. But today, if you have a grandson, a niece, a nephew, somebody, set up that Canada Learning Bond so that they can go to post-secondary education. I mean, it really sucks that there's not enough money, money coming from, uh, money and funding coming from the federal government into the band so that everybody gets the post-secondary education that they're actually supposed to get through treaty. But here we are. So, you know, it's a survival thing for now um, because the government, as always, breaks treaties. So this is a, a way that you can still try to get some of their money and go from there. And this isn't just an Indigenous thing. It's for everybody. So if you're a low-income uh, non-Indigenous person in Canada, you likely qualify for this learning bond as well. So look into it. And if you're having problems, reach out to me because, uh, oh, and one other thing, I'd, um, if you're a child that was apprehended through the foster care system, you are still entitled to this Canada learning bond. The, you can't access the money unless you're enrolled in like, you know, a SATE or, or some kind of post-secondary education. They won't release the money to you. So if you're 14 and you want to go on a bender, you can't take out the money and go. It's not it doesn't work that way. So even if you're in foster care, go get your SIN number, go get your RESP set up with the Canada Learning Bond because you're entitled to that. 
So we had a wonderful International Women's Day uh, this Sunday, this last Sunday, and the city of Calgary had a had, had they have community grants, <laughs> which is hysterical because I live in Abbeydale, and a lot of the grants are for my surrounding communities, but because I don't live in them, I never qualify for them. So it doesn't matter that I go to the Forest Lawn Library all the time and run my book club for, well, we're about to have our fourth year anniversary. That doesn't matter to them. What matters to them is that I, whether I live in Forest Lawn, so I don't qualify for that grant. For whatever reason, um, the woman who put together this International Women's Day for Mokinstis uh, she did qualify for one of these grants. I'm assuming she lived in Falcon Ridge and um, she made this in Falcon Ridge. And it was a wonderful event where all the Indigenous vendors came and we had uh, drumming and dancing and announcements. Uh, Bear Clan Patrol came and spoke. And um, one of the members from that, she did the cooking, vegan cooking. And uh, it was wonderful, of course. Uh, Fry Bride was there. It was great. So... Uh, yeah, I wanted to tell everybody about that because one, you might not know that there are grants available to you depending on where you live. And um, the other thing is, is that it was just nice to have a community event where we could all gather. But shockingly, not very many non-Indigenous came. And I, <laughs> I love you, non-Indigenous people. But when we have events and you don't show up, and especially during a time where we're facing so much racism, your message is pretty clear. So sit with that. Anyway, it was a re really great event. Thank you, Christina Winnipeg, for putting that together. You know, your kids have always been so good to me. I learned, I learned um, and started a relationship with them through you, say. And I, I wish I could tell you the good work you're doing. It just warms my heart. And I'm so honored that I could be a part of that. So thank you. Um, at the University of Calgary, they had uh, a panel discussion on matriarchy, and that was wonderful. My daughter actually went on the big drum, and the person who has a big drum talked about uh, the visions that they had at, I want to say, Minnesota, and talked to elders. And even with all these elder supports, the insecurities of having a big drum and using the big drum. But for the spirit of Inter International Women's Day, um, you know, brought out the big drum and allowed the women and two spirit to drum. And it was, it was wonderful. Um, my daughter got to be on there. So, you know, it, it, it was, it was wonderful. I, I pulled my daughter from school. I actually pulled her three times last week and she's come home with no homework. So I don't know what's going on there. Anyway, that was one of the events that I pulled her for. Uh, another event I pulled her for, and I've, for those in the indigenous community, some one of our leaders that have been working hard for decades on our rights is Inuit, and she is uh, Sheila Watts Coach uh, Coachie. Uh, she wrote. She's the author of The Right to Be Cold. Now, she's one of those people that has done so much work at the international level advocating for our rights, but advocating for more Inuit rights in the sense that. Um, they were the first to really be feeling the effects of climate change. And because of the way the atmosphere collects toxic um, elements of the atmosphere, it was collecting up where she's from. 
So the Inuit were even afraid to breastfeed their kids because of the toxins that they were ingesting that they didn't want to be giving to their kids. Um, so she's been a like strong woman warrior talking about those issues and, you know, wrote this quick book to go along with all of the work that she's been doing. And um, I, I pulled my daughter from school because I wanted her to hear another strong Indigenous leader. And we got a picture and... Uh, she was asking questions from the audience and my daughter, for whatever reason, was hesitant going up to the mic and asked the question what her message was for youth. And it was a kind of a theme that she talked about throughout the uh, panel discussion and uh, um, the presentation that she did is that, you know, the imagination and thinking outside that box. And she just reemphasized it with my daughter and just said, you know, you are our future and what you can imagine is what we can start working towards. So that was her big message. And I thought it was important for all of us who are working on the front lines or raising kids to be thinking about that bigger picture too. Um, and I know as indigenous people, we are always thinking seven generations, but to encourage our kids to be um, like thinking of that bigger, you know, what do we want? And I know that they just had that uh what we want Canada conference where the youth indigenous youth are telling people like this is this is what we are envisioning and uh, I just want to keep focusing on that theme so that everybody does feel heard and that we start you know as adults imagining their vision and helping them achieve that vision and uh, thank you to Sheila for coming to Calgary uh, thank you to Mount Royal University for having her so that we could hear that message and feel that message and um, and get to, I don't know, just continue to dream. It lifted my spirits hearing her speak and knowing the work that she's done over decades and decades. So um, thank you for that. And I was glad my daughter got to meet meet you and, and hear it from you firsthand. Oh, and she was fabulously dressed, by the way. She had uh, Inuit... Um, patterns on her skirt and on her scarf and uh, awesome uh, another project that I pulled her from so uh, you say which is uh, urban society for Abor aboriginal youth they had this launch of the art project that the girls had been working on the last few months that I've been lucky enough to be a part of and they made three dresses uh, for missing emerging indigenous women they talked about, they, they made this, oh, one of the people that work there is really good at sketching. And they sketched this, basically, profiles of all the Indigenous girls. And they have something called augmented reality. So when you, like, have this thing on and you look at the one of the youth, it pops up their hopes and dreams and what's what the future is going to look like. Um, and they recorded me singing this in in the background and apparently that was a part of it i couldn't be there because i was talking about the canada learning bond at the you know arts and arts uh, college or university that they have here and uh, it was probably for the best because if i would have been there i would have been a blubbering mess of tears because i was so proud of the work the girls had done and i think anybody who has ever you know done a speech 
done a podcast, um, been on TV, they hate hearing themselves. They actually hate it. And I know for me, I share these things because I think the message matters, but I hate listening to my voice. So it, I was just really proud of all the girls. And I wish I could have been there in the sense to just like let them know how much they mean to me. But even my daughter was like, you know, mom, I really don't want you crying the whole time, doing that ugly sobbing cry, which probably would have been the thing. So <laughs> if you get a chance to see their work, there's it's going to be displayed at the uh, Calgary Public or Calgary Police Station in West Winds. There's going to be one in Forest Lawn uh, High School that it's going to be developed at. And then uh, not Woods Homes, John Howard. What is the there's another organization that one of the uh, pieces are going to be at. So. I'll have to find out and let you know. And uh, really proud of, really proud to have done that with you, say, but really proud of the girls and the work that they've done. Uh, and speaking of which, so I don't know, maybe five years ago, I really wrote off the um, organization here in Calgary that does Indigenous affairs. I think they even call themselves Aboriginal affairs still, and uh, because it was. Uh, woefully inadequate, underfunded. One person was working there and one person can't be the liaison for a million people. But that's the reality of what it was in Calgary. So anyway, they they have a new committee and I met one of the committee members and she's super excited, this Métis that's, you know, working hard at politics. So I was really, really happy that I bumped into her and she really inspired me to encourage all of you to write letters to that committee to tell them what your vision for uh, Calgary should be when it comes to Indigenous, but also that the awards are coming up. So whether you have a youth that you want to nominate or a leader in in Calgary, that you got to put forward your you know award submission application right away. So I wanted to throw that out there in case you are thinking of some really cool people in Calgary that deserve that recognition. Something that shocked the hell out of me that I still can't believe I'm going to tell you this. Alberta's government, which is run by the United Conservative Party, is actually being proactive when it comes to a small component of the missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls, and two-spirit report that came out. I know. I hope you're sitting because I know I'm shocked about it. Anyway, they're only focusing on the point of man camps and economy, which... I'll take, man. I will totally take that because this is a huge part of the systemic problem that we have here. Um, so they they have they launched the Alberta Joint Working Group on Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls. They didn't add the two, but technically neither did the inquiry report. So it was just kind of an added thing. It's not part of the title. Um, anyway, so they're providing inf- input on government's action plan to address the calls for justice for the national inquiry. And one of the people that's on there is Josie Nipponak, who's, who's somebody I consider one of my mentors and leaders. Uh, she's been working for decades against violence against indigenous women and the executive director of Awatan Healing Lodge. So I was really happy to see her be a part of this working group. And um, I'm hoping some good things will come from that. I I'm hoping, but I know my reality is anything that the Alberta government touches goes to shit, and especially if they're conservative. So I'm quite worried that they'll make things worse. I don't know if they can, but we'll see. I I don't want to even go there. 
what I do want, what I was surprised with, I'll say this though, um, I seen some of the news releases that had like videos embedded and the current Alberta Indigenous Affairs Minister, I want to say his name was Rick Wilson. Um, you know, he was crying. It sounded like he was from, you know, Edmonton area surrounded by reserves. And he said that he had lost friends and he's seen it as an epidemic and he was crying. He was, you know, um, emotional about it, which I've shocked about in its own right that he would acknowledge that that is a component of this. So, you know, good on him. I hope, I hope this becomes a real thing and I hope it's not just a, a, a talking point, but if I was a conservative, I would be saying we've done more for missing and murdered indigenous women and girls from that report than anybody else. And they're fucking true. Like, even I can't dispute that. The opposite. I would be like, yep, they're technically doing more because everybody's talking about doing something. But, like, for Calgary, they put out the White Goose Flying Report, which, in my opinion, was the most conservative view that you could possibly have about looking at the Truth and Reconciliation Commission calls to action with a municipal view. Well, they haven't put out, um, you know, a similar report that would be Calgary-based municipal lens when it comes to missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls looking at the 231 calls to justice. So, I don't know. We shall see where this goes. Let's, oh, fuck, let's hope there's a new day. But I'm I'm a little um, hesitant to say that because right now we are seeing instant after instant after instant of racism against Indigenous people. The rise has been insane. Um, I don't know if I have a friend who hasn't been impacted by some kind of racist remark. And um, and I hate it, I'm not going to lie. What we experienced with transit cops, I think, is a great example of it. Um, anyway, this is where we're at because, God forbid, Indigenous people actually stand up for sovereignty rights and, you know, human rights and uh, equality. Um, this is supposed to be our, you know, civil rights movement. And to this day, I still have liberals. Um, the incident that happened with me and my friend with the transit cops, we didn't have anybody reach out to us from the Liberal Party. And yet she's the former IPC Women's Commission rep. Anyway, this is where we're at. She was the one who put out the actual policy that we need to do an inquiry. That's who this person was. And we got zero outreach from anyone from the Liberal Party. No one in politics reached out to us, which is a sad reflection of the reality of, you know, how important are you really when you're a part of these political parties? Um, so anyway, uh, Brandy Morin is a Métis reporter here from Alberta. I've seen her work for APTN, for CBC Indigenous, and her most recent pieces she's put out with Al Jazeera. And let me tell you, they are fantastic pieces. And I hope you find them, and I hope you read them, because they are my reality. And Canadians and Indigenous have different realities. I've, I've been telling my story and my experience for my entire life, and people have gaslit me, downplayed my experience, said that can't be possible, all these things. And this one really shows that racism that is embedded in Canada 
that Canada pretends doesn't exist. And it's, it's an international piece. So I'm hoping that will get more attention and people can see, you know, why it is Indigenous people are blockading, um, you know. And I wanted to point out, for those who are not really following but kind of following, the Mohawk were never on the railway, you know, never. So uh, they were on a road that was right by the train. And uh, I don't know if people know that. Anyway, I was really impressed with the Mohawks' solidarity with the Wet'suwet'en and wishing we could have done more out here in Alberta. But the truth is we've experienced a lot of violence from non-Indigenous and will continue to do so. So our survival is just enough. And uh, me doing a podcast is just enough. And this is where we're at. Anyway, Indigenous people have been talking about our issues sharing our traumas in reports, commissions, public hearings, just so it can be regularly disregarded. No more. Honor our words. Honor the treaties. Listen to politicians and their policies and platforms. If they don't recognize the marginalized in their budget with Gender Equity Plus, if they are cutting violence prevention programs and services, education, um, your uterus health choices, gay-straight alliances, know that your vote to that party directly neg- negatively impacts marginalized people. Demand that they implement the Truth and Reconciliation Commission's 94 calls to action, the 231 calls to justice for the National Inquiry on Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls, the recommendations of the Royal Commission on Aboriginal Peoples, and, of course, the United Nations Declaration on Rights of Indigenous People. Denying those reports is a form of abuse called gaslighting. Our people are experiencing extreme racism in the educational, justice, and health institutions with multiple reports that say the same things. Demand change from election platforms and politicians. If they do not understand colonialism, racism, privilege, and sexism, they literally have zero business running. This should be understood by all parties, local politicians, community groups, organizations, etc., Really great article that I said out loud in episode 62 is Truth Before Truth, How Non-Indigenous Canadians Become Allies. Violence is just my everyday reality. Every Indigenous generation has faced it. That's why I started this podcast, to speak freely, without interruption, without tone police, without leadership shaming, without gaslighting questions, as many people don't want to hear Indigenous opinion, but sure want to tell us theirs, and usually by people who know nothing about Indigenous people, know nothing about colonialism, know nothing about the constant surveillance of Indigenous people, of our protests, our vigils, and our rights, microaggressions, people dealing with internalized racism, people who are gatekeepers, people who survive off the status quo, people who are really in their trauma and stop people from being able to do the work and deplete uh, more uh, personal resources. Internal and external racism is an everyday reality for Indigenous people. And that's why I needed this podcast, as a boundary to be heard. My, my hope is that my family, my daughter, will be proud in the future of us trying to discuss these present-day issues in a way that they can understand. I want to continue putting cultural safety into action so that you can create a safer space for Indigenous, people of colour, those with a disability, LGBTQ2+, and immigrants. Look at it as first aid, first, first aid for marginalization. You have to do something because having good intentions is not enough. 
You have to take action to make change. You have to speak out against racism. Um, I'm straight and cis, and yet I can still see homophobia and transphobia. So I know you can see racism too. If you cannot see racism, you need to do your work. Ask questions with those with more understanding. Find allies, create a support system for yourself. There is a settler book club. I run an indigenous book club. You're welcome to both. Um, And help yourself so that you can advocate for more culturally safe approaches. If you don't know what land you're on, you need to learn this. This isn't even a 94 call to action. This is not a part of any of the recommendations out there. This is just basic. You should know you're a treaty partner and what that means. And if you don't know that, I'm sorry, but you are perpetuating racism, not sorry. You need to do your work. Take responsibility for your own learning. Read, reflect, ask questions. But don't expect all this learning to come from Indigenous people when it's free and online and in books and in podcasts. Take time for self-reflection. Be aware of your assumptions and biases. Question everything that you've learned about Indigenous people and take steps to actively disrupt the stereotypes. I'm sorry, Canada. I'm not sorry. Your fucking Indigenous bias has come out so hard. You know nothing about Indigenous people. I have never felt the need, no matter how much I hate any group, to yell and scream at them in parking lots on sea train stations. And yet your people are doing that. You see this and you are doing nothing. This is on you, Canada. Do something. You have to commit to lifelong learning. Be prepared to be uncomfortable. Understanding colonialism and the legacy of racism is an ongoing and difficult task. I'll give you an example. There is a strong advocate that everybody loves and respects in Canada, rightfully so, talks about bullying. And what does he reshare? Anything anti-Indigenous, especially when it comes from the Conservative Party. You are guilty of doing this, of perpetuating hate and racism, and you have the fucking audacity to talk about bullying in the workplace? Fuck you. Fucking do some self-analysis here, buddy. Internalized racism and lateral violence is another form of violence Indigenous and marginalized folks face. What does that even mean? I don't know if people listening get what I'm saying there. I'll give you an example. Right now, everybody's losing their shit over the coronavirus. We have people with pallets of toilet paper in their basement, apparently. I do not understand this at all. <sighs> I, I just don't get it. I, I don't get it. But I see Indigenous people getting mad at their band councils for not doing more on this issue. And I laugh so hard at those stupid comments. And the reason why is because... The bans are nothing more than administration for the Indian Act. They don't have capacity. They're already underfunded. You're expecting them to do more with nothing. And, and that's what I find so infuriating. Our own people don't even understand the system. So then they get mad at our own people for not doing more within the system. When they've are, they're facing those barriers that are already there, this is well known. So when you start getting mad at other natives for, you know, not doing enough, like you have to see you are part of that problem. 
That is what internalized racism is and lateral violence. If you don't like yourself, that's internalized racism. You know, so if you are getting mad at other natives, that's actually a reflection of how you see yourself. That's what internalized racism is, lateral violence. And when you start projecting your hate on your other Indigenous friends, activists, then that's when they're like, well, I don't know if I want to do this work. And we are seeing that locally. And those who are listening, who listen to my podcast, who are in the activist community know damn well what I'm talking about. So now what have you accomplished? Now nobody's going to organize. Way to go. That's what internalized racism is and lateral violence. And how, like, why do you feel good knowing that you've hurt, like, single moms? How do you feel good about that? I don't know how you sleep at night. That's what internalized racism and lateral violence is. You have to heal that. You have to do your own self-reflection on that. Because you're hurting others. You're taking all of the resources that should be going towards fighting the system. Fighting the Indian Act. And instead, you're fighting with each other. Stop it. Stop doing that. Look, for my, my uncle says, for every finger pointing out, there's three pointing back. So we got to look at ourselves too. And that includes me. I've stepped away from a lot of things because I'm, I don't know if I'm ready to do those things. There are people that reach out to me that I know I cannot help in any way, shape, or form because they, I'm not ready to help them. And they're not really ready to help themselves. I can't. I can't fix things for them. I only know what I can do. I can only control me. And I wish more people kind of looked at that before they went attacking non, um, Indigenous leaders, Indigenous activists, Indigenous sisters, brothers. Anyway, all of this came out of thanks to the fucking white people that came here and set up the Indian Act and set up Indian residential schools and land clearing policies now we're just doing their dirty work. That's what internalized racism and lateral violence is. There's lots that you can do to undo that. Um, you know, I've been talking about mending broken hearts. That's a huge component of it. But there are, you know, bystander interventions that you can do if you see racism. Um, if you're witnessing public instances of racism, anti-black, anti-Muslim, anti-trans, any other form of personal harassment, there are tips just Google them. I've given you some already on the show. You know, make your present known as a witness. If possible, make eye contact with the person being harassed. You know, get their support. If it's safe to do so, if people are consenting, record it. You know, take cues from the people being harassed. Don't call the police unless they ask you. Don't tone police people because that is their way of resisting the oppression. Do we, whatever you need to do to be safe, though. And sometimes that just means leaving. But give them, whoever is being harassed needs validation that that happened because the trauma is happening at that moment. And they're going to gaslight themselves and feel shame. And at least if you give them your name and number, they know somebody has their back. And likely that it was recorded because, you know, white people, they're so super excited about recording everything, especially around public buildings. So all you have to do is freedom of information uh, requests. And then you can get like tape recordings and video of all of those instances. 
don't call the police for many communities experiencing harassment right now, whether you're Arab, Muslim, black, indigenous, queer, trans, immigrant, police can actually cause a greater danger for the person being harassed. And we see that racial bias all the time. We see their, you know, sexism. We're seeing that with the Greta sticker thing right now. Um, it was actually put out by an RCMP auxiliary cop, which explains Everything that's validated in our reports about the RCMP just absolutely having so much rant, ramp, rant, ugh, so much sexism rampant within their systems that their own women who are RCMP are targets of harassment. One went and killed themselves over it. Like they're an awful, awful organization, and yet they're the symbol of Canada. So I guess that says a lot about Canada. Uh, don't do nothing. Don't escalate the situation. Teach your kids about accountability. If you're experiencing emotional distress and want to talk, call the First Nations and Inuit Hope for Wellness helpline at 1-855-242-3310. It's toll free, open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Thank you to my ancestors, my granny, my mom of what strength looks like through your example. I want to thank my dad for teaching me to be blunt and strong my stepmom for showing me what a proud culture is through her Austrian family roots and teaching me to be a proud Calgarian. It's through her I'm a second-generation proud Calgarian. Thank you to my husband Darcy for producing and editing this show. On top of being my husband, my childhood friend, father of our child, and support down my journey of the Red Road, he has witnessed all these decades of racism and sexism. And to our child, who we are blessed to learn from daily, we are honored you chose us. You give me daily accountability to be a better and stronger person. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. I want to say thank you to Adam, Alexandria, Beatrice, Brian, Celine, Diana, Jocelyn, Judy, Kenna, Leah, Marisa, Natalie, Nathan, Phyllis, Rebecca, The Sprawl, Tiffany, Vanessa, and Veronica. Thank you all for signing up. If you did one donation or many and had to leave for financial reasons, just know I appreciated your support. Some of you have given me endorsements. I've appreciated that. If you value listening and can afford to give, thank you. For those who cannot afford to give but listen in, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com where you can send in your comments or questions. We are also on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And I want to end with when I give that side eye to the Calgary Rabbits. You're lucky I'm not tradish. And my beautiful cousin would respond, or you'd be in my dish. Thanks for listening.